0: This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One of the great gifts of Holy Week is that it slows us down. It summons us from our harried, hurried lives and bids us stay a while to reset our souls, especially on Good Friday, when we once more behold the cross. So awe-filled, so appalling is the cross of Christ that it boggles the mind, beggars the vocabulary, How can a human mind encompass or human speech express so profound a mystery? The cross cannot be explained, it can only be experienced. The old song asked, were you there when they crucified my Lord? The only possible answer is yes, I was there because as a human being, I participate in the sin and sins of the world. Violence, greed, racism, exploitation, injustice, and of course, my own personal peculiar sins of mine. Oh yes, I was there, and so were you. But exactly where? How shall we locate ourselves at Calvary? Where are we in the picture? Now, my generation would have set a timer on a camera and leaped into the snapshot. But now we do selfies. We put ourselves into the snapshot. If you do that, if you post a selfie, we will all know where you've been and with whom you've been. So let's go to Calvary and pose for a selfie with some of the people who are there. Well, first and most conspicuously, those Roman soldiers, the death squad. We look at them and we picture what they did earlier in the day. You heard it in the gospel reading. First, they flogged Jesus. Now, that means with a leather whip that has several strands on it. And at the end of every strand, there's a little piece of glass or of metal. So what they do is strike the person and then drag that down across the person's back. Strike and drag, strike and drag. Many people die from the flogging Jesus lives. So now, a whole cohort of soldiers, that's 150, gang up to mock him. They force his royal purple robe on him. They form from huge thorns a crown and jam it down onto his head so that blood flows down through his, to his eyes. They kneel and shout, Hail, King of the Jews! And they roar with laughter and they spit upon him Finally, they force his own crumpled rob, robe onto his throbbing body, put the cross across his shoulders, and walk him to Calvary. There they pull off his robe, and of course little bits of flesh will come with it. They put him down on the ground while they nail him. A, there, there's a, One of the soldiers stands with his heavy boot on Jesus' stomach to hold him still while the other guys do it spike through the ankles, nails through the hands. And then they raise it up and they drop it with a thud into a hole, excruciating. Jesus' humiliation is complete. He is naked. They have stripped him of every human dignity. They have crucified the Lord of glory ignorant of the fact that if he wanted to, he could summon thousands of angels to come and rescue him. And to shame their tawdry power. They gamble for his robe, then they sit and watch. Oh no, we don't want to be with that gang. We aren't like them. They represent power, political, economic power that laughs at love and spits on what it cannot understand. But wait, have you and I never been dazzled by power? Never forgotten our Lord's total identification with the powerless? Never been so busy with our own lives that like these Roman professionals, we have detached from what should move us to compassion or indignation. Ever just sat and watched, watched suffering, watched injustice and never said a word? We don't want to take a selfie with this crowd. So let's move on. Ah, now here's a group that looks more like us. They're well-dressed. They are the priests, scribes, and elders. They are here to enjoy the defeat of their enemy, that incorrigible upstart rabbi who denounced their hypocrisy, contradicted their teaching, and challenged their authority. And then there's with them, there's some casual passers-by, not particularly interested, but just going with the flow to see an event, whatever's happening. Together, the religious leaders and the passers-by form an unholy alliance. They become a chorus of mockers. As Jesus hangs on the tree, they fling into his face every messianic claim he ever made for himself. Physical torture is bad enough, but this is spiritual torture carried out by the very people who should have recognized him as God's anointed one. Control of the temple was a messianic prerogative. And we've seen Jesus drive the money changers out of the temple and say, this temple will be destroyed and there won't be one stone left another on upon another. Now that's ridiculous. The temple still stands. Little do they know that in just 37 years, that temple will indeed be destroyed with not one stone upon another. Speaking of his own body, he said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Really? Right now it's writhing in anguish on a cross. Hey, temple basher and three day raiser, if you really are the Son of God, come down off that cross. What a temptation. Jesus did many miracles, but I think maybe the greatest one was the miracle not done. He didn't come down off the cross. He stayed there, enduring the taunts. He saved others, himself he cannot save. You know, ironically, they're right. To save us, he had to go through that most human of experiences, death. Oh no, we don't belong here. We would never mock our Lord. But wait. Has there never been a moment when we have thought, if you really are the Son of God, or Jesus, why don't you do a miracle in my life? Or at any time made a mockery of our faith by our unchristlike actions and attitudes so incongruous with our Christian confession? This is very uncomfortable. Let's move on. There is another group at the cross. John, the beloved disciple, is there supporting Jesus' mother, Mary. And all four gospel writers are careful to tell us that the women are there. Many women, says Matthew, who followed him from Galilee and provided for him. In a society that debated whether or not women even had souls, Jesus taught them. He promised them a new order where they would be equal children of God and heirs of the kingdom. Mary of Bethany sat at his feet, the posture of a disciple. Martha made the great confession, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. To a despised Samaritan woman, he said, God is spirit, And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. One of his most profound statements to that woman. No wonder the women follow him to the cross. Well, they can't do anything for him, but they are there. Friends, sometimes that's all we can do. Just show up and be there. I think that one of these women, probably Jesus' mother, had fashioned for him that ordinary homespun robe that he wore up to this very hour. The robe, a sign of love for him and practical support of his ministry. So I like to think of these friends as robe makers. Shall we take our place with them? Even when it looks as if sin wins, evil overpowers good, and it looks as if their making has come to nothing. If we stand with this group, from our point in history, we can tell them something. We can tell them that their making was not in vain, that the bullies and the mockers do not have the last word. For Jesus rose from the dead, and now wears the glorious robe of King of Kings. And the blood of the cross streaming from Calvary fashions for you and for me and for all who put their trust in him new robes. We are a royal priesthood, robed in his righteousness, whose kingdom has no end. Were you there? Have you located yourself at Calvary? For finally, each one of us must decide and take our place, our own place, at the feet of the crucified Christ. Amen.